Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. As we adapt in this season of pandemic, we are meeting in our house churches in person and online as a primary space for worship, formation, connection, and encouragement. Teachings like this are one way we engage with scripture, seeking to become more like Christ. These teaching podcasts also serve as a conversation starter for deeper engagement at House Church. We're glad you're listening. Okay, so I'm going to be sharing a poem this morning. It's been a while since I've done that. It's been a while since I've written much. Um, so yeah, we have uh, lost some people in the last few weeks, months, year and a half, probably. And um, I guess I was commenting on that with Doug, probably complaining. <laughs> and Doug was like, you want to like write something and share it? And I was like, that sounds like something I would only be asked to do at a church like Renew. Yeah, that sounds great. And so I was like in the middle of my workday, but I just like started writing and it just kind of flowed out of me naturally. And I didn't really expect that. Um, but that's what happened. And also super awkward that the Freeds are here because this is called a lament for those left. <laughs> This lament will be quick because I can't stay here. Well, they left. Some had good reasons even, and it's us that's left. Part of me says forget those left. Part of me can't. Which version of me is what's best? And I'm left. Thinking about the body and an arm walks off. I can't like reach as far. And they do leave scars, but we can walk on. They left for good reasons, I guess. We're left for good reasons, I guess. So let's be the body that's left and bless the bodies that left and be our best. Let me not be he to sort out all the rest. And the good news is there's room that's left. Nice new chairs, but we never forget the old, do we? Is the old what's best? Are we the old wine, really? The good news is the tomb's empty and the pressure's off. So the would-be tithers and could-be helpers and mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers go. And as you go, remember Jesus loves you and Renew loves you, and let's each take a piece of what's left. Another friend of mine, JR, actually said you should read poems twice. So I'm going to try that. A lament for those left. This lament will be quick because I can't stay here. Well, they left. Some had good reasons even, and it's us that's left. Part of me says forget those left. Part of me can't. Which version of me is what's best? And I'm left. Thinking about the body and an arm walks off, I can't, like, reach as far. And they do leave scars, but we can walk on. They left for good reasons, I guess. We're left for good reasons, I guess. So let's be the body that's left and bless the bodies that left and be our best. Let me not be he to sort out all the rest. And the good news is there's room that's left. Nice new chairs, but we never forget the old, do we? Is the old what's best? Are we the old wine, really? The good news is the tomb's empty and the pressure's off. So the would-be tithers and could-be helpers and mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers go. And as you go, remember Jesus loves you and Renew loves you. Let's each take a piece of what's left.
you know, I'm really grateful for, for Caleb to have an opportunity to write that and just to reflect that because that is kind of the elephant in the room that all churches are kind of wrestling with in this. And And our posture is, I just love how he ends that our posture is one of blessing. You know, every time we have a benediction, we always hear these words, renew as you go. And I just love the way that he helped frame that for us. And so, yeah, it's okay to feel that. Like, we feel this. And I'm grateful that we can actually shed tears together. We can think through this together. We can pay attention. But that's hard. But God is faithful. And he's doing stuff in the midst of all of that. And so I'm grateful for that. So this morning, we, um, we're going to do something a little different, uh, which is great when we're in a brand new room. We're going to teach uh, in three different directions. So we have three different teachers today. Uh, and one of the things that we've been, we've been talking about um, is the last time we met here, we had a chance to, to walk around the space that we had and pray. Uh, some people like I've heard people have felt, you know, sort of talk like, or it felt sort of like walking around Jericho and praying for walls to come down. Some people felt like it was prayer walking. This I just appreciate the different imagery and language that I, I had a chance to hear in the last few weeks of just post inhabiting a brand new space. But what we did was we prayed because Renew is a church where we say participation is what, is what it is. This isn't come and see. This isn't come and watch. It's come and participate. And so as a body, we participated together in the dedication of this worshiping space. But it's just a space. We looked at chairs. You know, we talked about the difference in all the places that we've been before. And then we, we closed our time in this space praying specifically for two things. That God would renew us and that God would renew, renew. And that's still our heart. That is our passion. And that's what our teaching is, is hopefully going to help set us up for as we move into the next space, as we move into this next season, as we have opportunity together to inhabit a new space and to be the body of Christ here. And so we feel like there's kind of these three things that are entering into our life and our vocabulary um, at this time. And as soon as I came back from sabbatical, Ben and I had like a four-hour meeting. It was great. We talked about so much stuff. But it really came out, um, there's an image, I think, that we have. It came out in like these three ways. We have, can you put that next slide? Yeah. Um, There was this this picture of like a a heart with a wall around it or like a walled-off heart. Uh, There was a lot of conversation between Ben and I about wounds. And conversation about what is it, what is it, what is it that God is calling us to ask for? Like, what, what is the want or the longing of our souls in the season that comes? And so Dave had a, a vision um, or had a, a moment when he was in prayer where he saw a picture of a heart with a wall around it. And he's going to come and talk to us about walls. Morning. Yeah, so as Doug said, uh, I got the walls portion of the teaching. Um, yeah, I, I just, I think I just wanted to share like just some stuff that I think God's showing me and hopefully, hopefully it's not just for me. It's something that's, that's helpful. Uh, as Doug said, like I was at a prayer meeting at the Culps several weeks ago and I, I had a thought of 
like walls around the heart. And like for, for me, like I know some people like hear the audible voice of God. Some people get pictures. For me, God, God communicates with me a lot of times through my thoughts. He's just a little more subtle. Um, yeah, and maybe that's lesson number one. Pay attention to your thoughts. <laughs> that could be God. Um, so I'm wondering, like, was, was, this, was this picture for me? Was this for someone else? Was it for Renew? And I'm, st- I'm still really not totally sure. But uh, yeah, I thought I'd share. So I, I heard a story a while back uh, about Dallas Willard, but, but I, I couldn't source this. So I'm not even sure. <laughs> I remember the story. You get older and the files kind of get corrupted. Um, <laughs> but anyways, the story goes like this. So some church leaders approached Dallas Willard. And they ask him uh, about this study that was done showing that if you use pink offering envelopes, that increases the offering by 20%. And they ask him, like, is this a lack of faith if we use the pink envelopes? Should we use them? And Dallas replies, of course you should use the pink envelopes. Just don't trust in the pink envelopes. So the so lesson there is, like, put forth the effort that's required, but don't, don't trust in your effort. So coming back to Walls. Is there a narrative in the Bible that is specifically about walls? Yes, this is not a rhetorical question. What, which, what is it? Casey's nodding your head. Jericho. D- Doug even like gave it away before. So uh, open, open your Bible to Joshua 6. Or turn your Bible on, whatever you do. Joshua's kind of like the reward for reading through Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy because you get some action there. So I'm not going to read, read the whole thing here, but the story there is that, that God commanded the Israelites to go, go into the land and to take over Jericho, basically take it. So what, what does it say in there? Just to skim through verses like 8 through 20, what does it say that the Israelites did? March around the city. What else? Like, blowing trumpets. Yes. What else? Loud shouts. Yes. How many days were they supposed to do that? Seven. What, what did they do? And they did something on the seventh day. What did they do that day? They did it seven times around, around the walls. And then what happened? What's that? They blew trumpets, is that what you said? Yeah, and, and then what happened? After they, and they shouted, right? Near Margie, and, then, and then what happened? The walls fell down, right? It's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> right, so, so, so all their hard work is what brought the walls down, right? No. Somebody read verse 8. So what did it, it said they did that before whom? Before the Lord. New Living Translation says they did it in the presence of the Lord. So Hebrews 11 says that the walls fell by faith. So would the walls have fallen without the presence of God? Would, would the walls have fallen if they hadn't put forth the effort? No. So it's, we bring the presence of God with us. It's inside of us. 
So the message for us here is that if there's a wall blocking God's access to your heart, we need to join with God and put forth the effort and bring that wall down. And that's either our own walls. There could be some people here who say, well, I don't have walls around my heart. And like, that's awesome. <laughs> but there may be someone in your sphere of influence who does, and you may need to help them. Walls, walls can also block things. Uh, James Bryan Smith teaches about a continuum of grace, knowledge, and faith. And grace, he, he defines as God acting in our own lives to accomplish something that we can't do on our own. All right, and that's, there's a lot of ways to define grace, but I think it, it, you can wrap a lot of it up, up into that. But what he says is like that grace should lead to knowledge, right? Or a memory of God having acted in our lives. Uh, we could all probably make like a list of things where God showed up, where he did something in our lives or in the lives of others. And, and quite honestly, it, it should be a long list. There's are probably more things that we don't remember that, that don't make it onto that list. So, but that knowledge then, or that memory, should lead to faith that God will act again. And, and he's a good God, right? Why, why wouldn't he act again? And then you see that acting in your life, that's grace, and it starts a continuum all over again. So, I was at house church a couple weeks ago, and I, I share I shared in the house church that I, I felt like there was something, something blocking me from a full experience of God. Uh, like in the past, like if like oh, it was a wall, if you will. Uh, before the pandemic, I had like just like many experiences of God moving in my life, just amazing things. Like I don't know if you guys remember October 2019, the gathering that we had in the lobby of the Boys and Girls Club, where people came and uh, prayed for us to have more of Jesus and more of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Tim and Cindy did like this amazing formative underground seminary on prayer. That was, that was just great. And like going to the Firestorm Conference, some of us went to. It was just a conference out in Harrisburg that was just laden with the Holy Spirit, just very powerful and moving. And um, yeah, and I, I got to be like installed as an elder at this amazing community. And like to put it simply, my faith, my faith was thriving. Uh, I was in a good place with respect to God. And then like the pandemic and over time is like, I'm feeling like I'm not, I'm not there anymore. It's not that like I'm in this bad place, but I just wasn't experiencing God like I was during that, that period. So as I shared this with some folks in my house church, I got some prophetic encouragement, right? Remember, that's like part of our mission statement this year. Um, uh, Christy Cortazzo says, <laughs> she was nice about it, but she probably could have said, dude, <laughs> show yourself some grace. It's, it's, it's been a tough season. And yeah, and then Elaine said that like that was that was the encouraging part. And uh, Elaine went more on the prophetic. She said, "Well, maybe maybe God's doing a new thing." So yeah, Jesus' death on the cross was was probably like the last thing his followers were expecting. He was the new king. He was going to free Israel. And the three and a half years that his followers were with him were probably some of the best times of faith building that they had ever experienced. And then he's killed. Not what they're expecting. It was jarring. It was disorienting. It was faith crushing. But then he's resurrected. And folks don't even recognize him because in their grief, they can't see the new thing that God's doing because they weren't looking for it. That brings it back to me or us. What's blocking me from experiencing God? I, I, actually, I actually think it's, it's my memories of those good old days of faith that I keep looking back on. Those aren't bad things, but 
I was just using them in the wrong way. Remember the grace, knowledge, faith thing? God acting in those ways should ultimately produce faith that he's going to act again. It shouldn't produce sentimentality or worse yet, like feeling guilty that I'm not experiencing God. So while I'm staring at this memory wall, like putting a lot of time and energy in this sentimental remembrance, Jesus is standing over here saying, hey, I'm doing a new thing. He's like, you don't need to go back there if I'm doing a new thing. Trust me. Follow me. Jesus' resurrection was a new thing. Pentecost was a new thing, <laughs> big-time new thing. In fact, like in, in Revelation 21, Jesus says, behold, I love it when he says behold, I am making all things new. But Jesus also says in John 5, he says, my father is always working and so am I. Both those in the present tense, not the past, not the future. Did God stop working? Did he stop making all things new? No. So could we reasonably say that God is working to make all things new all the time? That he's always doing the new thing? So to wrap up, we have walls around the heart and walls that block. I'm not sure if I'm talking to anybody here, but I think I probably am. So, so two questions. Where do you need to join with God to tear down the walls and give him more access to your heart? And where are you blocking Jesus from doing a new thing in your life? Trusting God that he can break down the walls and he'll show us what's blocking. And then he's going to do it in a new way. We just need to seek. That's our effort. And trust in him. That's not our effort. And be on the lookout and open to the new thing. Practical things that we can do? Ask God to show you the walls. Or ask God to have someone show you the walls and be humble enough to receive that. Ask God to show you what the new thing is and ask him to give you openness to it. Spend time in community. Our family, right? We're walking together. Uh, when you identify the walls, confess and repent of that. Turn the other way. Turn towards Jesus. And finally, just slow down and be intentional. Spend time with Jesus, whether that's through scripture, or worship, prayer, or silence, whatever that looks like for you. Spend time with him, and he'll open up your heart. Thanks. Thanks, Dave, for yeah sharing that thought that the Lord gave you and, and how that's impacting you. and. Uh, yeah, back in the it was late winter, early spring, as I was praying, I felt like I was hearing Jesus saying, I want to heal soul wounds. And I think I've shared that before. Um, and I, I've over the last month or so in particular, looking around Renew, and I just, man, we are a wounded community. Those who have left, a lament for those who have left. People who are sick, cancer diabetes, Lyme disease, uh, AFib, <laughs> Parkinson's disease, people who are going through it with mental illness of trauma, anxiety, depression, PTSD, just the stress, the relational wounds of disconnection, of loneliness, isolation, offenses, 
whether those were intentional or unintentional offenses, broken trust, rejection, abandonment, abuse, grief, and loss, or personal wounds, wounds of feeling failure, or regrets, or disappointment, or shortcomings, shame, the should-haves. Kept thinking, man, we are a wounded community. But we live in a wounded world. The good news is, the good news is that the scripture is full of descriptions of God and of stories of Jesus healing. Psalm 147.3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And when Jesus came and he's healing people and partying with the wrong types of people, folks were getting mad at him. And he said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. We all need Jesus. Shocker for all of you, right? But we need Jesus. And so thinking about us as a wounded community, many of us dealing with wounded hearts, wounded bodies, wounded minds. And how do we deal with these wounds? And, as, uh, and kind of, I don't know if it's irony, I don't know what it is, but I was actually remembering a teaching that Dave did uh, several years ago about discipleship and the formed life. Uh, and there are three, three different kind of categories. One's the managed life. The managed life where we focus on looking good and feeling good. And it's focused on our personal success. And it's kind of a surface focus. What does it look like to look good, feel good, a managed life? How do I keep looking good? How do I keep feeling good? But then inevitably, we all encounter a wounded life of some sort. We experience wounds. And we have different ways of dealing with these wounds, right? One is we can take the victim mentality and just live in it. Let these wounds define us and live in the misery, just hoping for some sympathy in the midst of it. It's actually interesting how often folks in the New Testament are identified by their wounds, right? The paralyzed man, the blind man, the woman with the issue of blood. But we need to remember that those are past tense, kind of like the artist formerly known as Prince. (laughs) If I could make any edits to the New Testament, I'm not going to, but it would be the man formerly known as paralyzed, the man formerly known as blind, the woman formerly known as the bleeder. Because Jesus doesn't call us to live as this wounded identity because he's the healer. So we need to step back. And and I was sharing this actually this morning, I think with Denise, when we were talking about this, that I recognize that I'm looking at our community and we're a wounded community. But over the last month, I have also been very much reminded that we are a healing community. In the last several weeks, I've seen it as Renew has surrounded my family with love and support. Aubrey, you have healed Jenny. She's not fully healed yet, but you all are part of that healing process for us. So we're not a wounded community. We're a healing community. 
we need to remember that our wounds do not define us. They are part of us. And those scars that we have are important because they lead us into something better. They lead us into opportunities to be healers. But they do not define our identity. So that's one that we, we can be tempted to let them define us. The other one is we can be tempted to just try to get back to the managed life. And I know I'm really guilty of this. So how do I just get back to looking good and feeling good? Well, I'll look for some distractions. I'll look for something to numb it, cover it up, or just stuff it down and power through. We look to conquer those wounds. I was listening to the story in Mark 5 of the, the man who has the legion of demons. And something struck me as I was listening to it. It says, no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken to pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. And this, it struck me metaphorically as I was listening to this, because so often that's what I do. And I think that's what many of us try to do with those wounds. Well, I'm going to bind it up, stuff it down, and not let it have any power. The problem is it actually gains power in that. No one can subdue it. Nobody is strong enough to subdue those wounds. Actually, this was a huge issue early on in, in our marriage with Jenny because that's what I did. Anytime she did something that offended me, wrap that up, put it in a box, stuff it down in my heels, pretend it doesn't exist, but it doesn't stay there, right? I can't subdue it. And Jenny could see that I wasn't subduing it. What's wrong, dear? Nothing. I can tell something's wrong. What's wrong? Nothing. I'm fine. Uh, what's wrong? Stop asking me that. I'm fine. And eventually I had to learn, thank you, Jenny, for your grace and your patience. It's okay to talk about these wounds and offenses because then they can be healed. This man with the legion of demons didn't need to conquer these demons. He needed to be delivered from them. He needed healing, and thankfully he got it in Jesus. So those are, those are the two temptations, I think, in the wounded life, that we become identified by them or we just seek to numb them or distract them. But the third aspect is the forming life, where we actually seek deep healing and transformation and actually renewal in that healing process. Saying, Lord, what do you want to form in me in this healing process? What do you want to heal in me? Yes, Lord, please heal my whatever that is and form in me something more like Jesus. And so I want us to invite us, again, I, I want us in this season, and, and in three weeks, uh, we're going to have a gathering. Um, we're still planning it. We're not exactly sure what, but devoted to healing, devoted to renewal for us as a community to just intentionally seek after this renewal, this healing from the Lord. And so over the next few weeks, just some questions Lord, what wounds have I neglected or am I just simply unaware of? I don't know if I'm the only one who just sometimes, you know, you like, actually the other night I woke up and I like, there was blood on my toe and I was like, how did that happen? 
this wound that I was completely unaware of. I actually paid attention and dealt with it, and now it's better. But I think that's true in lots of these other, what wounds am I neglecting or simply unaware? Lord, would you show them? And here's something like, just as you're praying that, I hope the Lord will show you, but you might also notice it when you find yourself getting really angry. Anger is often the mask of pain. Anger is often the mask of pain. So if you find yourself being quick to anger, slow down and ask, Lord, what's behind that? What's behind this anger? Is there a wound that I need to deal with? And the second question, Lord, what wounds am I trying to cover up? Or am I trying to numb or distract myself from or trying to stuff down? And Lord, is that distraction, is that cover-up, is that numbing an idol that I need to turn from? Help me to turn from those coping mechanisms to you and walk in devotion and obedience to you. And give me courage and wisdom to attend to these wounds with you. The third one, Lord, what offenses am I holding on to? Where am I easily offended? Would you give me courage and grace to face these offenses and my offender with forgiveness? It's interesting, it's fascinating, and I think it's poignant how often repentance, forgiveness, repentance and forgiveness are linked with healing in the scriptures. Example, 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by name, my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Turning, seeking, turning to the Lord, then there's forgiveness and there's healing. Hosea 6, come, let us return to the Lord for he has torn us, but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us. He will revive us that we may live before him. So let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. Or in Jesus' ministry, when he heals the paralyzed man and says, your sins are forgiven. And then says, get up and walk. We need to pay attention where we may need to repent, where we need to forgive, and where we need to seek forgiveness. With the humility to look to God so that freedom may come through forgiveness, both seeking it, receiving it, and extending it. And then the last question, Lord, how do you want me to participate in the healing process? I hope none of us would be as bold as Naaman. Lord, I want to be healed. Go see the prophet. Do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Go wash in in the Jordan River. Uh, There's cleaner water elsewhere. I don't want to wash in that water. Well, do you want to be healed? So, Lord, how do you want me to participate in the healing process? And let's be open and obedient to what the Lord, how the Lord might direct us. And some some of you are actually well aware, acutely aware of the wounds that you're dealing with, the pain, the, the illnesses. And you've been courageously, desperately seeking healing from Jesus. And I just want to say, keep going. Keep trusting. I don't know how the Lord's going to work, but I trust that he will.
I trust that there is healing in his wings. So keep going, keep persevering, keep surrounding yourself with community. We want to love you and support you in this healing journey. And, and a word to those, some of you are saying like, man, this is depressing. She's talking about wounds. I'm actually doing great. Great. I'm glad you are doing great. If you are thriving, remember. Remember the wounds that Jesus has healed because those are often those spaces where you are uniquely equipped to bring healing to those around you because of what you've been through, because of how the Lord has worked in you. So there's the question for you, Jesus, how can I extend compassion, healing, encouragement in your name to those around me? We need you. We need the people who are thriving. We need you to encourage us, to bless us, to minister to us, to be healers. And even if you find yourself in the wounded space, don't let that be a wall that keeps you from being a healing agent in the name of Jesus. In fact, as you participate in encouraging others and trying to serve others and blessing others, that may be the opportunity through which Jesus brings healing in your own life. This is the good news. The wounds, whatever wounds you're dealing with, they are not Lord over you. Sickness, affliction, pain is not Lord over you. Jesus as Lord. And he's the kind of Lord who knows your suffering, who knows you, who knows your wound, who bore it for you and bears it with you. You have a Lord, a good and gracious king who is a healer, compassionate, who endured suffering unto death to write a new story of healing through his resurrection, a Lord who is with you and who also offers you this community of his followers, brothers and sisters, to walk with you. Renew, we're not a wounded community. Well, we are a wounded community, but we're a healing community. There's lots of illness, there's lots of pain, there's lots of wounds. We are sick and we need Jesus. But I'm also very reminded and very grateful that we are a healing community. And so I want to encourage us to continue to be a courageous community of healing. A community that honestly bears our wounds to one another for the sake of healing, renewal, and formation. A community that honestly, compassionately, and boldly walks with others in the midst of pain toward Jesus, toward healing, toward forgiveness, toward restoration, toward renewal, and toward formation, and a courageous community of healing that honestly, boldly, humbly engages with neighbors, friends, coworkers, and family members to point them toward the healing Savior while extending ourselves to be healers in his name. We'd be a community that is just desperate for Jesus. I remember a number of years ago when we were doing these little glimpses of Jesus, and one of the things that stood out as we read each story was the desperation of these people to get to Jesus. Can we be a community that's desperate for Jesus, desperate for him to heal, desperate to touch his wings and encounter his love through his healing? fully surrendered to him and whatever he wants to do in us in that healing process, obedient to him, following him, and being sent by him to be healers.
Thank you, Ben and Dave. Um, I really just get the sense that there's like a lot, we're, we're unpacking a lot of different things today. And, and I, I'm going to end with uh, just this idea of, of wants. And so I, I just want to simply read a, a Jesus story. It's, um, it goes like this. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and he said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. And Jesus asks this pointed question. What do you want me to do for you? And so as we think about all of that has been said this morning, I want us to have this moment that I think my prayer is it propels us into the next three weeks as we get ready for our next gathering, as we go into a day of rest next Sunday in house church. But that question of what do you, what does your soul long for? Jesus, I, I, this story, it fascinates me because he's standing outside of the city that the walls came down on, that God gave him the vic, that God gave Israel the victory over. And he asks a very pointed question to a person who needed healing. What do you want me to do for you? And so brothers and sisters, that's the question. That's the question that Jesus continues to speak out to us as we are here. And if it, if it sounds a lot like there's a ton of guilt and shame welling up in your soul, I want to pray in the name of Jesus that, like, I reject that. Jesus is asking you what to, he, he doesn't sit there and say, so, Bartimaeus, tell me your story. What happened? How did you get this way? He doesn't bring him back through his entire past. He says, what do you want now? What, what is happening and I think this is the scariest question for Christians to wrestle with because it actually has to make us sit and say, Lord, what is the desire of my heart? And sometimes that's a scary space because sometimes your desires are pretty messed up. But I'm encouraged by this, and this is found in Ezekiel. Like, listen to the power of this, of, of, of this God who we serve. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey me. Friends, this is the God who we serve. Not one who's sitting there waiting to play, like to, to destroy you when you make a mistake, but one who continues to bring you into the place of wholeness. 
And so we're going to enter into a three-week series, like just time. I want to encourage you to pray. I want to encourage you to think about the questions. They'll be in the weekly email. Dave and Ben will get them to me. We'll make sure that they're in front of you. They'll be at present at your house church. But we want these to be questions that we are asking ourselves so that when we come, we feel like we've wrestled with these things and we've asked God to show up and we've told him, Jesus, this is what my heart longs for. This is what healing would look like. This is what it would look like to see the walls come down in my life. We're going to have the worship team. They're going to come up and they're going to, uh, they're going to lead us. Normally, we would be having a time of intermission, uh, but we're going to hit pause on that since the kids are back. We're going to go right into responding to Jesus through worship and song. Thank you for listening to the podcast of The Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.